It's unbelievable how good the live music is. I mean, it's just like some random band that you just walk into a bar for free. No, although to be fair, no I did. I did go to um, that. Uh, so Sunday, I went to a pretty fun little outdoor setup, and they had a live band that was actually pretty solid. Really, um, and they they went all over the place, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of classic rock. So that was pretty it's, cool. It's tough to think, you know, when you when you, when you try um, to again, compare like, Savannah, plus I've it's never. Tough, it's tough to think when the bars are open till three a.m. That's true. Period. Yeah, how you doing over there? Yeah. Uh, I actually haven't woken up hungover yet. Um, I'm going to peg that to being drunk and amical. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day? And why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. Welcome back to another episode of Jumpin' Onyx podcast. No. I'm sorry, another presentation. Present- Welcome back to the presentation of Jumpin' Onyx. We don't have that smart guy in our group this week, which is really unfortunate. I miss him a lot. Yeah, uh, so welcome to the first post-presentation examination, who knows, of Jumpin' the yeah. drinking podcast with an economics problem. Yep. Hope you avoided your hangover and you stayed drunkenomic. It's drunkenomical. Drunkenomical. Absolutely. Gosh. Yeah. No, get, That's get over how the you hangover. Got to stay drunkenomical. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, as always, this is James Goldberg right alongside. Actually, there's a reference. This is James Goldberg live from Savannah. Well, recorded now. But yes. And this is Aaron. Aaron Wong live from. I guess recorded now as well from Dallas, Texas. So, yeah. So we're 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 both finally in the south again. It's warm. It's seventy. It was seventy something degrees. Yeah, same here. It was like seventy. It was really windy, but it was about seventy something degrees. It was nice. Anyways, so glad you can join us. So, so, oh, God. Wow. So glad you could join us for a drink. Let's put it yeah, that way. So, so glad you can Nailed join it. us for a drink. Hope you're having a good time. I like to think we have a really good episode planned for you, but we don't have anything planned. I was going to say, so. but planning is really not our strong suit. <laughs> exactly. I think the interview episode proved that. Having said that, the interview that we finally got out, mm-hmm. I think it's a good episode. I think it's... I think yeah. it's- so if you have a chance, go back and listen to it. It's Dave Fiala. He's... Been trading futures for forever. We talked about futures and all. Oh, he's running futures fund for twenty years now. Yeah, exactly. It's a really, really successful futures trading platform. You know, risk management firm, marketing firm for agricultural products and stuff like that. So, yeah, go back listen to it. I mean, he's a lot smarter than we are, that's for sure. So, oh, he's definitely he's definitely more experienced. Yeah, well, and smarter. So, I'm not willing to concede the point, but <laughs> uh, what I will say is, for those yeah. of you that are worried that that'll be the only time we have Dave on. Put your worries to rest. He's more. I think he's. He has stated he had a lot of fun. He's more than willing to come back with us on future episodes. So thank God. Looking forward to it. Thank God. Um, okay, but anyways, I don't know what's well, happened. What's up? We haven't really. We didn't really get to talk about a whole lot of no, we news. Didn't. Markets have been all over. Markets the place. have been all over the place. But mainly, apparently, so one of two things is going on. They're entering into some sort of correctional period, which I think is overdue. It's been well. Oh, over- no, that's me. I well, think you, it's overdue. You think it's overdue, but at the same time, like, but it's not just the markets. I mean, like the Russell two thousand, which like people consider like the mid caps or the small caps. Small caps, yeah. Yeah, the mid small caps, right? For the most part. I mean, I, I mean, small is defined by more than three hundred million, less which than two billion. Which is still a giant so like, company, right? Is that really right. small? I mean, if I ran a three hundred million dollar company, I'd be pretty stoked. If I ran a two billion dollar company, I'd be like, I'd be extremely stoked. Yeah, too. I run the best small firm in, in the nation. Right? Yeah, I'll take that to the grave. But what I'm trying to say is, like, as the markets became more and more liquid, it was like, you know, obviously the big names did really, really well. And S&P, Dow, NASDAQ, mm-hmm. they grew like crazy. But, you know, we also saw, I mean, it, it was more overweight towards the top. The big companies like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, all those, it, it, those took up a larger percentage 
of those indices. Oh, yeah. You know, but the crazy thing is like the whole time, the Russell 2000 was growing too. Yeah. I, you know, it's that, you know, it's back to this. Why do I think, why do I personally think the markets have been increasing? And it's because there's been, uh, it's that huge amount of free liquidity out there. Right. Or yeah, extremely exactly. inexpensive cash. And so when you do that, you buy into something. You do that at the same time as all the people who were gambling on sports games. Well, there were no sports. Like I, it was, a, there was a point maybe 10, 11 months ago, you know, a month after COVID really hit where I think the only sport that was still in the running was, um, and I only reason I because I saw it on ESPN and I actually said to myself alone in the bar one night as I was closing, cause it was on ESPN live. And I was like, oh, geez, wow. Marble racing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I remember that. I remember when people started gambling on marble racing. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but, but I mean, that's just goes to show a point. People were willing to gamble on it. They'll throw money at anything. If they, if they, right. people just need to do something, they need distraction. And the so. thing is like, you know, the Rust 2000, if you look at the RUT 2000, so it's R-U-T yeah. 2000, that's the ticker or whatever you type it in on Google. That's where you, you can see the charts for the Rust 2000. If you look at it from the beginning of 2020, like it literally looks like a Freaking, it goes straight down and it goes right back up. And it's reaching record oh. highs over and over and over and over again. Which it shouldn't. Nothing should. Again, everyone's sitting here is like, oh, the, the markets are they're hitting records. And my response is, why? It's like, they're hitting records. And I'm like, They're just getting more stop. and more expensive. No, to- no, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're just getting more and more expensive. I mean, the revenues aren't changing yeah. that much, right? I mean, they're growing. Oh, because- yeah, but, but, but revenues are down. Across the board, revenues are down. Uh, so, we all know some- that. Some companies have been able to maintain, like I mean, not Netflix, right, like Netflix and Amazon not. and all those companies. Like they've been able to maintain, and some have been able to grow. Like mm-hmm. a lot of companies have actually done pretty well during the pandemic, even from a fundamental standpoint. But you know what I was trying to say is this is a long way of me saying the markets kind of entered. They kind of entered a correctional period last week. I don't know why. I think a lot of people are starting to see like, okay, this is. I mean, these are breaking through resistance levels. Like the, the markets are breaking through resistance levels over and over and over and over again. And like these trading multiples are just insane. And not to mention Jerome Powell came out and said, you know, we do see a lot of near term inflation, which I think caused a lot of people to go away from. I think it caused some concern. Yeah, it did. But it went, you know, because like when you're trading securities, there's a certain point where you're just like, you know, if if a certain stock goes up, it doesn't just go straight line up. I mean, it's kind of up, down, and then up even higher and then down and then up even higher and then down a little bit, right? Um, and those periods when they fall down just a little bit, those are a bunch of investors just cashing on the profits and it settles for a little bit. And then a lot of people, you know, see it kind of, they kind of see it move closer to a support mm-hmm. level and they buy back in and they lift that back up, right? So yeah, it's this idea, it's idea, it's, it's, when you start to see like the the declines, mm-hmm. you always hear like, oh, buy the dip, buy the dip. But when you start to see the dip, that's someone trying to consolidate their position. Essentially, they're saying, I bought at 70. It's now 140. I'm going to sell enough to at least get back my basis. What did I put in? I put in this much. Okay, well, I've covered yeah. my input. And then it's okay. Let's take stock of right. what's going on and we'll buy in again somewhere yeah, and, else. And that's a very um, common practice where you just kind of like, you buy 100 shares yeah. and then once those shares double, you sell half. Now you've covered your break even mm-hmm. and then you go from there. But yeah, I mean, I just, even the markets pulled back quite a bit last week, especially technology. Well, like, I don't know if necessarily if it's a pullback or if it's a rotation, right? I mean, that to me is tough. You it's know? probably more of a rotation. So like, really? if you look at like, if I put my money into markets and I put a lot of my money into tech because let's be fair, for the last eight months, mm-hmm. tech has been, been on the a most tear, productive. Yeah. It's seen the, yeah. So at this point I go, well, I, I want to recoup some of this. I want to get some of this out. I want to turn this from equity. I want to turn it into actual cash. I want to mm-hmm. liquefy. Uh, yeah, you'd sell, you'd sell that because you go, you know what? 
it's already made me right. more money. Let's get out what I put in, or let's just get some out, and maybe I'll put it into something else because I think this is going to slow. Right. Also, people are still willing to buy it. So I know that like, if I start selling at 127.65, it might be by the end of the day I'm still selling at 127.65 right, yeah. versus... I started to sell once. I start. I sell my first share at one twenty seven sixty five. By the end of the day, I'm selling. I'm selling at one oh eight. You know, yeah. there's still a volume. Right. Yeah. I, guess I mean, the market's still that. insanely liquid. Oh yeah. So. Well, free money will do that. Right. I mean, but like, I mean, what happened was so yesterday. Yesterday was an overall good day for the markets, except for the Nasdaq, because I think you know, like you said, it was a continuation of that rotation out of tech because. People started to realize tech is expensive. Let's cash out. Cheap, yeah. Yeah. Let's protect our earnings and let's 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 put our money into the recovery names. So you know, all the while when tech was struggling all of last week, I th- yeah. So I think you're right. It was a rotational thing because energy was doing really well last week. Financials did really well last week. Oh I mean, yeah. It was just it was really just like tech and semiconductors that didn't do very well last week. Which is so, funny because you'd think semiconductor. I mean, I get it. Like semiconductors, they don't have the materials, so they can't be producing materials. But you'd still think like clearly they have a shortage of this product. They're going to get made at some right, point. Yeah. And these are the companies that will make them. The revenue may not be Q1, maybe Q2, Q3, but it's by the end of 2021, the revenue is there. Right, yeah. But what was really weird was like yesterday. So I don't remember what what happened on Friday, but I don't think Friday was a very good day for the market. It wasn't, as I recall. Right. I don't think, I don't remember it being a good day. I mean, and then on Sunday, the futures, the implied opening was down. And then Sunday morning, the implied opening was still down. And all of a sudden, David Tepper goes on CNBC and says, there's no reason to be bullish. And then all of a sudden, futures went back up. And they opened green, well, uh, except for the NASDAQ. Was it? I, I, I forget who it was, but someone said, and I think what they said was, it was very entertaining, was the only reason not to be bullish or the only reason not to be bullish is because everyone has, because there's no reason not mm-hmm. to be bullish. You know? And that's a legit reason to not be bullish, right? Because like everybody, if everybody's buy, 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 you know, it, that to me scares yeah. me. I think it's just, he said the only reason to be a bear is because there's no reason to be a bear. You know, it's basically what was getting said. Wait, it's that's like, what David Tepper said, or is that uh, what? No, it wasn't. I don't think it was David Tepper. I forget who it was, but it was someone said the only reason the only reason to be a bear is because there's no reason. My to be thing a bear. is I, okay. So two people that come to mind. I'm tra- when I'm trying to think of who possibly could have said it. One is Tillman Fertitta. Tillman Fertitta. T- Tillman Fertitta. Tillman Fertitta. I forget his name. Whatever. Multi billionaire. I think he owns he owns the Golden Knights, Las Vegas hockey team. Uh, and he, he's big in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. So one is him. And the other person that I think of uh, right away is uh, Paul Tudor Jones. I don't know why I think of Paul Tudor Jones. But Paul Tudor Jones, he always seems to be ahead of things. Everyone says Bill Ackman called a pandemic, and he did. I'm not going to lie. But Paul Tudor Jones was the first one. I think he came on Davos last year and was like, maybe even in January. And he was like, no, the coronavirus is very serious. It's going to have some major, major negative implications on the markets. Yep. And this is before Bill Ackman went on CNBC with Scott Wappen or Crowd Wolf. You know what I mean? So was it neither of those guys? Are you looking it up? I am right now. And so what I found is it's actually a headline of an article that says the only reason to be bearish is there's no reason to be bearish. And that was Bank of America. <laughs> and that was on February 16th. Okay. And so uh, that was about two weeks would, ago. Through, I guess, well, more than that now. Three one would ago. think that Bank of America and whatever they say would have a larger impact than what David Tepper says. 
But for some reason, David Tepper said, there's no reason to be bearish. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all the investors were like, oh, the sentiment's great. Let's go into the markets. And that's the reason why everything opened up on Monday green, except for the NASDAQ. And then the NASDAQ, to me, like I said, the NASDAQ is so tech heavy. Yeah. It's one of the major indices that's just like, I, mean, I guess all the indices are really, really tech heavy. But I feel like the NASDAQ 100 is in, is much more tech heavy than the S&P 500. I think, I think I was reading, I think NASDAQ is 47% tech, isn't it? Uh, I think it's, I thought it was like 28%, to be honest with you. Let me look. Uh, it is, wow, it is 48% tech. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Insane. No, it's, it's huge. Cause you sent me that. And I, and I thought to myself, I said, that seems yeah. high. That is really high. And then I thought to my, and then all I thought to myself was like, how good a, a representation of the economy, of the U.S. economy is this really? Cause I don't think, I don't, let me raise this. I think the U.S. economy is not forty-eight percent tech. So, <laughs> I mean, but you gotta understand how, like, how well ingrained and how intertwined tech is with everything. I oh, mean, yeah. every company uses. Well, they're using Excel. These, they're using Oracle. Ex- yeah, using. Excel, Oracle, Adobe. Huh? Yeah, you know, and then there's every company uses something Google creates. Every yeah. every company uses something Apple. Creates. Oh yeah. So I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't, right? I mean, it's not like it shouldn't be forty-eight percent of the entire U.S. economy. Well, it shouldn't be forty-eight percent of U.S. markets, right? I mean, like. Like think, I mean, think way. like honestly, like me personally, I guarantee you, I spend more on scotch. <laughs> and I guess the real problem with that is that you're supporting the Scottish economy, right? Yeah, and they probably use Microsoft and whatever oh, yeah. else yeah. it is to keep their data. So I mean, yeah, deep down, deep down, there's some there's some poor Scotsman at Balmore and the rest sitting on Excel, going, oh, they're using Google <laughs> Analytics to market or whatever, and it's you know like so. yeah, or what um. Or they're using, yeah, power pick and the rest, the power pack from... Yeah, but anyways, yeah, so like... I understand like how big of an influence and how well ingrained into the infrastructure tech is. And, you know, like I said, like I don't think the NASDAQ represents the economy. But to be honest with you, I think the Dow Jones Industrial Average, I think, is even worse of an indicator. Oh, yeah, because it's only 30 companies. Right, it's only 30 companies. It's and- 30 firms. And it's and on top of that 30, it's it's also... But it's, um, but it's price-weighted. It's price-weighted, It's not market yeah. cap-weighted. Like mar- no. At least the NASDAQ 100 is market cap-weighted. At least the S&P is market cap-weighted. But with that said, I mean, like, there's a reason why the NASDAQ was down yesterday and no one else was. And there's a reason why the NASDAQ rebounded more today than everybody. Like, today was a fantastic day in the markets. Doesn't mean it's a fantastic day. Just saying it's a fantastic day in the markets. And a bad day for him. Right. But it was amazing for the NASDAQ. And then towards the end of the trading session, the NASDAQ started to play around a little bit. And they kind of came back off their highs a little bit and settled down. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. You have my attention. (laughs) I was sitting on Bay Street drinking beer and having a great time here in Savannah. I saw, I saw where the market closed. No, 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 no. I saw the market closed and I asked myself the same question then that I've asked myself every other day that the market's closed up at record highs, which is why? 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 Were there record revenues? No. Record expansion? No. Why are you at record highs? So, okay. Well, no, let me tell it? you this. Well, oh, I'm all ears. The reason why they're at record highs is because we're at record PE ratios. Boom. <laughs> Class dismissed. So- Let's go. Done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Okay. I'm willing to believe that. Equity is at an all time low. Price is at an all time high. Fuck it. Done. Done. Every company that currently exists is the greatest company of all time, the greatest version of that company of all time, or more impressive than any other historical version of itself. It's got better growth potential than any other company has ever existed. Oh. Right? 
Yeah. Okay, let's be honest though. If nothing else, they have better access to capital than any. Oh yeah. There's no and better. Not just time better to access. Try. Better access to cheap. Cheap. Very I mean, very cheap. Barely yeah. even paying for it. It is basic. Yeah. And not to mention, if you look at the Federal Reserve sentiment, they're not planning on raising interest rates anytime soon. No, they're not. So money's going to be cheap for a really really long yeah, that's, time. And, and and for those of you who are listening, I realize we talk about interest a lot. But it's because that's a symptom. Yeah. That's that's well, I mean, just like that's the. Well, tool. I mean, we want to keep our economics interested. So that's oh yeah, talk about interest. Well, that's fucking always gonna so. try to keep things interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm hilarious. Now. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. So it's it's why like when last week when the yields were like shooting up and you see equities start to slide, and it's only because like everyone's like, oh, why are interest rates doing what they're doing? Is it oh, are they trying to price in um, uh, inflation? And I'm like, well, and, and all I can think this entire time is like. What inflation do you think there well, is? Well, I mean, but like, but like the ten years still at one fifty four, right? Which is still pretty high. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's off their highs of one sixty one well, from I think what was it last Friday, Thursday. Thursday, Friday, right? Yeah, it broke above one sixty a couple times last yeah. week. Yeah, which well, usually so that's just an indicator of risk. That's so what? Just, do you, so that's all that is. Like, so what do you mean by that? Start going like just elaborate on that. Real so quick. okay, so I remember like two three weeks ago we were talking about um, when the yield spread starts to get really mm-hmm. close versus when the yield spread start to get a lot wider. It's like when it was so when, when they, they flatten or steepen or in worst case invert yeah, right when we start to see our yields get like really close to each other when, so when flattens, like the difference right. between the ten, yeah, yeah. when it starts to flatten out when the when the spread starts to narrow when the two year you yeah. say that at that the two years yeah, when the two year and the three year the two year to five year start to look behaviorally close to each other that's when we start to say like the market's looking at both and is going people in the market are going i don't see any risk mm-hmm. that leads me to believe that the five year is a better place to hide, not hide, but to place some of my risk capital free, right? to, to offset risk, to avoid risk. Right, it, yeah. it, essentially, you're going, essentially, you're going to say like between two and five years from now, I don't calculate there being a down. Mm-hmm. So why buy a five year when Just I can buy, the two buy a two year, right, year yeah. and then buy another two yeah. year and buy another two year right. and then in two years time, buy two years again. Right. Yeah. Cause, it, cause it's more liquid. So if you need the cash. And, and, it's, and it's liquid sooner. So if I need it sooner, exactly. I can get it sooner. Yeah. Also you look at it and you say like, Oh, well, I'll just deal with this, you know, I, I can deal with this more readily now and I don't see any risk on the horizon, so I don't need to have... Well, let's, let's, let's like, break this down real quick. So, like, when you buy a bond, when you buy a US... I mean, as far as the, the cash flow that you get, I don't exactly know what it is. I, I mean, I don't know if every time you buy a bond, it's, it's 50 bucks every two every half a year. But, like, when you buy a bond, the par value of the bond is what? $1,000. Right? $1,000. So, yeah, exactly. So if you buy a bond for less than $1,000, you bought it at a discount. If you buy a bond for more than $1,000, you bought it at a premium. You know, sometimes you buy bonds at premium because the cash flows are really, really enticing, yep. right? It happens. The yield on the bond, if the bond is trading at a discount, the yield on the bond is technically going to be higher because the cash flow, I don't know how cash flow works. So, I mean, if you buy a bond, is it always 50 bucks every half a year? And sometimes you can buy like a really, you know, like those junk bonds, if you will. Do you buy them for 500 bucks? Right, and then you get fifty. Well, you can do right, or like I, I mean, I don't know if or junk bonds like you buy, you put in a thousand dollars, and then you get a hundred bucks every two years or every half a year, right? I, so, I'm not so, sure how the, that works. so essentially, there's a few different things we need to, we need to look. We need to look at what the coupon value is, what the market value, what the what the coupon okay, so library, rate is, yeah. what the market rate is, or the risk free rate. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the risk free rate in the market is basically zero, right? It's about 0.025. It's it's something small. Right. It's like 250 basis points. 250 basis points. Yeah, 0.025, right? Or not even that. 0.0025. 250 basis points is two and a half percent. It's not so, even two and a half percent. Who am I kidding? Yeah. It's it's between zero and fifty basis points. It's sub it's yeah. nothing. It's zero. So at this point, like any coup, any bond that's paying out above zero percent interest rates is gonna be operating at some sort of premium. 
Now, the issue is the ones that are really nice. So like a 30 year treasury that's coming due in 10 years. So it was, it was created in 1990. Uh, Maybe that's paying out at eight, 9% or something. Right. Yeah. Look at that going, Ooh, that's all right. Whereas like a 30 year being issued tomorrow might be paying out at 2% maybe two, not even. And and so if someone were to ask me, or if you're a major firm and you're doing all the calculations, you've got your idea of what, like where prices are and everything else. And someone says, Hey, you know, 30 year coupon at 2%. My response would be, no, I can get better return in less time in a substantially more liquid market. And I don't see a need to own a 30-year bond right Right. now. So in essence, people, instead of buying 30-year bonds, instead of buying 10-year bonds, they're going to the stock market. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like to me, recently it's it's been, you know, we talked about this before we sat down with Dave, but it was like the whole story was 10-year bonds went up. The Nasdaq went down, and that was it. And they were trying to justify this correlation between why the ten-year bond and the Nasdaq are acting, or why there's this inverse relationship between between the two. Yeah, between them. And that was the story. And I feel like you know what I mentioned in the podcast was because this risk-free ten-year bond, this risk-free ten-year asset, is going to yield you one point six percent because it's risk-free, and because Apple is a lot riskier because it's an equity security. Yeah, it's a lot riskier. Uh, people would rather just. You know, not deal with a headache and just buy that 10 year security. But that doesn't make sense because if there's a rush of demand towards a 10 year bond, it wouldn't be trading at 160. Be trading at like yeah, no, you're so not. I, I can't. I can't justify the logic. I, I have no idea. I, you know, I I can't necessarily. Or did what I say not it, make any sense? No, it, it does. Uh, to me, what doesn't make sense to me, and it all comes down to this: we have extremely high unemployment. We have very serious issues mm-hmm. with the global economy. Markets in the U.S. are at an all-time high. That disconnect means well, that when people start to say like so, and this is where and this is where it comes back to the to the bond market and to bond yield. People start saying like, oh well, bond yields are down, or I don't want to be involved in bonds because the market's doing so much better. My response is, the United States will be here tomorrow. I have my doubts about Kodak. I have my doubts about Apple. I have I always have my doubts about any financial institution. Right? I know the U.S. will be here. Right. Do not know about any particular firm. Well, for the most part, I mean, Apple's not going to work. Google's not going to work. Microsoft's not going to work. Right? No, so, I mean, yeah. Like when I say like, when I say these companies, I'm just using them as those are just, these are just equity firms. No, but I hear, I mean like Wells Fargo, something like the Lean Brothers could happen to them and then they could oh, yeah. Facebook, right? So, oh yeah, they could absolutely get involved in some sort of fiscal. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I hear your point. I accept it. But at the same time, it's like the greatest hedge against inflation ever to exist on this planet has been the equity markets. Oh well, a lot of people yeah. think it's a lot of people think it's gold. A lot of people think it's silver. But the greatest not. Uh, the greatest hedge against inflation has always been the stock market. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so yeah. I want to shift the conversation towards like the actual capital markets, right? Because sure, you know, a lot of people are like the markets did well on Monday, but the Nasdaq was just still hung over from the weekend. Why is that the case? And it's first like, off, they weren't being drunkenomical. That's just clear. That's obviously the case, right? But two, I mean, in my opinion, if the Dow is doing well, the Nasdaq should be doing well too. I know, but I I think so. Like the Dow, to use kind of a more vulgar, it's a pretty piss poor expectation of what the U.S. economy. I know it is, but Um, I'm just saying, like thirty companies. I know, but I'm just saying, like as far as like the weight goes, I mean, the Dow is pretty tech heavy. Well, because they're price heavy. Remember, they're price exactly. So like, okay, so yeah, the tech guys they command those high prices, and so yeah, of course, it ends up being doubly tech heavy and that they have a few they have a few major tech firms and then on top of that the price right yeah well and not to mention the dow they don't incorporate any or in the dow 30 there are no foreign companies whereas in the nasdaq 100 there are foreign companies right i mean there's you're allowed to have adrs yeah and, and reits 
and all that kind of stuff in the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. As, long as, oh, yeah. as long as it's... And then, and then there's other things. Like, so that, huh. I guess there's other, some other things to kind of look at, like where like the S&P 500, um, they're picked by S&P, but they're also... A lot of those are companies that have pretty substantial... And the Dow companies, too, have pretty substantial foreign exposure. Oh, I mean... Right? So they're making money overseas well. I mean, as well. I, feel like it, I feel like if you're in the Dow, you do business overseas. Oh, yeah. That's what so, I mean. Like, so the Dow, the You S&P. want to tell me JP Morgan is do business overseas? I mean, yeah. Not a penny. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now that you say so, I believe you. <laughs> you shouldn't because... <laughs> you should not. Yeah, both we both know that's that. not We're true. We're being smart asses. But anyways, so I feel like if the NASDAQ wasn't going to do well, the Dow, I-, I feel like those two are much more correlated because like you and I have always been S&P people. Yeah. Even though... Well, I, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a much better metric. Yeah. Even though um, it's not really, but it is, right? So... None of them are perfect. It's the least imperfect. Yes, right. I mean, it's the it's the least imperfect. Yes, the Dow is extremely imperfect. It's it's very volatile. Well, they all used to be more perfect at one point, right? Uh, before, yeah, well, before the rules of the game changed. Before and, I said they reached record PEs, right? So, well, um, I was also going to say before like 2008, where these companies all realized that like, oh, we're fine. Oh, no, we're not going to go anywhere. We can't. Go, we can't. We, we yeah, can't exactly. fail. We can't go broke. So shifting gears back to the S and P. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a corporation out there called Standard and Poor's Global. That's what S and P stands for. Standard and Poor's, right? You've heard of Moody's, you've heard of Standard and Poor's. They're both major ratings agencies in the US. Guess what? Both of those companies are publicly traded. Okay. Shocker. I know. Yeah. No, to me, it's the interesting thing for me. Like, as tonight, as we were looking into this, and so Standard and Poor's trades on the New York Stock Exchange under yes, SPGI. Yep. But you'll never guess who founded Standards and Poor's. Was it a- if you bought a textbook this last semester or in college at any point, was it a guy you named Standard and a guy named Poor? Really close. It was definitely, it was definitely two guys. Or was it a guy named McGraw and a guy named Hill? Damn right it was. Oh, McGraw man. Hill. McGraw oh. Hill founded Standards and Poor's. Unbelievable, that's, right? That's insane. Um, I know. That, that was shocking me. As I looked it up, I was like, what, really? Yeah. All right. Exactly. So in case you guys are wondering who... The S&P and Moody's and even the NASDAQ and the Dow, those are all publicly traded companies, okay? So the Dow yep. is a publicly traded company. I forget, what it, I forget what it is. The NASDAQ is a publicly traded company. It's traded as NASDAQ Incorporated. Even the CBOE, the CBOE is a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. So in case you guys are wondering, these major indices also have some sort of beholdency, if that's a word, to shareholders. Well, they all, yeah, right? they all have a, a right? usually the term that gets used is uh, they have a fiduciary responsibility. There you go. Oh, there you go. To the shareholders. So I mean, it's like, problematic. I mean, I think you should have, my view is you should have a fiduciary responsibility to all your stakeholders, right. not just your right, shareholders. Right, exactly. Shareholder, all shareholders are stakeholders, not all stakeholders. Right, but exactly. I mean, but you have, so you have a board member. Is, is it the board member of the NASDAQ that determines who is in the NASDAQ and the board member of Standard & Poor's? Or is it, it's probably like a department of Standard & Poor's or something like that. My but, understanding is Standard & Poor's has like a, it's like a council. There's like a group of people that right. come together to decide who the who the 500 companies mm-hmm. are based on, the easiest way I can explain it is it's kind of like the um, ESPN coaches poll. Yeah. And not to mention like, so the Standard, so S&P Global is no small company too. Okay, so no. they revenued what six, just over six billion in. Oh, I mean, twenty seventeen numbers. Um, I don't know why I'm pulling up twenty seventeen numbers, but they're not a small company. If you revenue six billion dollars, I mean, you add nineteen to that, and that's now you're revenueing as much as Tesla, and Tesla is worth seven hundred billion dollars. So I mean, well, if you want to think about it that way, you know, I mean, um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of one of those things where you deal with like. 
why do they have such small revenue? And it's like, well, if you really look at what they do. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I'm not trying to talk about Tesla. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, no, like, I meant like S&P, S&P and Moody's. Like, if you look at what they do, they're, they're, they get paid to just come in and do some analysis. That's all. They're here to do. They're here to do ratings, mainly to do right, ratings. Exactly. Which is easiest description I can give is that they play the same game that auditors play. Mm-hmm. Um, See, so if you're accounting firms that audit your financial statements, you have S&P and Moody's or the credit rating agencies that rate your products. It's a referee. It's a, it's a publicly traded referee. Right. I mean, in all honesty, like, I don't think that it's a bad thing that like they're a publicly traded company. I just don't like the idea of them being home to shareholders. But at the same time, it's like, even the guys that are at the NFL games, the chain gang, you know, that are measuring the, you know, they're measuring <laughs> the down the distance, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. they're not getting paid as much as like the guys on the field, but you got to pay them. Someone's got to measure it, right? Someone's got to say, hey, holding number 73 offense. And NFL referees make like $300,000 a year. I mean, they make quite a bit of well, money. Well, they got law school. They have law school bills. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and a lot most of them- have, Fun fact, most of them are lawyers. Most of them are lawyers, yeah. Most of them have their own law firm. So, but yeah, like I'm not against S&P making money. I'm not against them making as much as they do. I don't know. That's that to me is tough to deal with because it just depends where it comes from. Because if Goldman Sachs is going in there saying like, hey, radar securities at AAA, it's like, well, uh, if you give us $9 billion, we'll do it. It's like, okay, yeah, here's $9 yeah, billion. Well, I mean, and you, there's that there's that great scene in- um, In The Big Short, where he's like- Right, they, the they Big go Short, to, yeah, where, where, where they, wow. They show up at S&P, and, like, and they're just like, yeah. if they Georgia, don't- Georgia, why are you ranking it this way? Why are you- Because if we don't, they're going to go down the street to Moody's, and they will. Yeah. You know, so there's this, it's that interesting point of contention of like, do, do the ratings agencies need to be- regulated perhaps right in a way that's in line with a law firm or right, exactly firm, which is to say you're told what you can and can't do and mm-hmm. and then there's a dilemma of like you know do you want these companies to be non-profits because if you do like how are they going to hire a cpa you know it's going to be a lot tougher for them to hire a cpa and a good cpa when they can go work at goldman sachs and make a lot more money it's it's like that scene in um what's that tv show that uh billions oh billions yeah you know, Paul Giamatti is like, there's that scene in the TV show when, you yeah. know, they're like, so how much do you make at the state office or whatever it is? And he's like 185. And then the guy was like, that's it. Well, you'd make that much in a week here. Oh yeah. When he goes, when he goes to interview about joining a law firm. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, it's, it's, but it's, that's the thing with like the S&P is like, you know, you want these guys to be able to make money so they can hire the best CPA. Well, yeah. You want, you want the guys who are, you want there to be a profit motive. Uh, as a member of, if you're going to be the rating agencies that referee, you want there to be a profit motive there. And the great thing is there are enough other companies out there. So it's not just Goldman. There's Goldman, JP Morgan. Wells Fargo, City, uh, Wells Fargo. All Deutsche. these guys yeah. are out there. City, Bank of America. Um, all these guys are there and they're all creating similar products. And so when you've got eight people paying you, eight revenue streams, they all kind of keep each other on side as long as they're not cartelling. Yeah. Not going to say that whether they are or aren't. Of course, yeah. As long as they're not cartelling, which ideally they are not. But yeah, you'd see that on top of that, you also have, again, these firms have to behave with with an eye to fiduciary responsibility to the shareholder, which is to say that not only are they required to get, create the most possible value for the shareholder, part of that responsibility is that the company continues to exist without incurring fines or criminal or is criminally closed. Right. So it, it, it's supposed to allow them to exist right up to that like 
edge where you're like, ooh, this is, we're flirting with danger here, but technically as long as you're only flirting with yeah. it. And that's the thing with capital markets is just like, I, I wish they just had a better representation of the economy, but at the same time, it's like, you know, how many bars and restaurants in, in your local district and how many like, you know, boutique stores and all that kind of stuff, how many of those places are going to be listed on the Russell 2000 or the Russell 3000. Well, then I'm going to make it there. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, I mean, if you really think about what, like you're talking a little bit earlier about the Russell 3000, which is say the 3000 largest companies, with right. market, uh, the 3000 largest market caps um, in the yeah. U S and, and the Russell 2000, what's the Russell two? And if oh, what's Russell 2000, well, it's the bottom 2000 of that. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Take the top off. It's the bottom two yeah. thirds. And kind of, as I was reading about so that, the mid caps and that's no, it's, apparently it's still, that's, okay. Again, it's called the small caps. I know it is, but Look, it's, I agree. $2 billion isn't small. I know exactly. But I'm saying like, the thing is like, you know, I watch CNBC so much and I watch like Fox business so much. And it's like, everybody is saying that the Russell 2000 is where the recovery yeah. play is going to be. Well, yeah. And, and that's probably true. It's probably true. But at the same time, I feel like the Russell 2000 is insanely expensive too. I, and I'm wrong. I, oh I, yeah. No, they all are. They're all overpriced. Right. Like, and, so Aaron, I don't, I don't, when you grew up, you grew up in like kind of a, it was a rich town, right? Like there was. Uh, I mean, I didn't grow up in the rich neighborhood, but Chandler is a Chandler is a decent town. But you know, yeah. but you know the neighborhood I'm talking about, right? Right. So I like the really the really nice neighborhood that's gated, and the houses are like eight thousand square feet. See, I didn't grow up in that neighborhood, right? I grew up out off. I grew up in a very nice neighborhood. I'm not trying to. Yeah. Anyone I, who knows where I grew up, there's no there's no doubting I drew, I grew up in a very nice place. But it wasn't that neighborhood. Right. It, there was always there was the neighborhood that was better. I grew up. It, people were like, "Oh, this is actually a really nice place." But if you were to if I were to say like exactly where it was, they'd be like, "Yeah." Oh, so that's the Russell. That's the Russell two thousand of it. Yeah. It's it's not like the where, where I was trying to go with that is if why is it going to be in the Russell two thousand where you see this the real the real benefits of the recovery coming? Well, so think about who's not in the Russell two thousand. So the thousand biggest companies by market cap in the U.S. Well, what what's what is the recovery going to look like? What's well, going to be a rotation out of that? Like we mentioned earlier in this episode, we're going to see a rotate. We're going to see a rotation probably out of tech. We're going to see it out of healthcare. Out of you know, it's going to go into right. actual tech, production. healthcare materials. It's going to go into materials. Yeah. it's going to go into construction and production Re- and retail. You know, cons- and retail consumer goods have and been pretty stable, but at the same time, I feel like consumer goods. You know, because people are going back to grocery stores, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to mm-hmm. be better. So Just because if you can, yeah, if you're walking down the that. aisles, you're going to more likely to you're more likely to buy something than if you're just online through. looking for what you need. Right. Yeah. What do I need? I need rice. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need canned tomatoes. I need blah. I need blah. Versus like I'm walking down. Oh, the I need aisle, salsa too. I right? like, take some salsa. Oh, I garlic. Yeah, I need some garlic. Right. Yeah. So and then not mm-hmm. to mention, so like a lot of the airline industry, a lot of the airline companies dropped out of the Nasdaq. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. During they COVID, fell off the bottom. They, they, fell off the bottom. <laughs> they fell off the Nasdaq. So I, you know, cruise lines, Vegas restaurants, you know, like Darden. Um, I forget mm-hmm. who else is out there, but like they fell out as they should. No one's there. Exactly. Boy, if your cruise ship doesn't leave port. But now yeah. it's like as the recovery begins, as more so, people get you know shots in their arms, and as things start to open up, like Texas and whatever other state opened yeah, up, we'll, we'll see how we'll we'll really see how that plays out. Right, we will. This is a pure example of James and I not agreeing politically, right? So it happens. Yeah. In case you guys are wondering, um, but did he do it early? Maybe, right? I, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah, gonna. I think he's not gonna argue early. that. I think I'm not gonna argue next, that. But I, I think here's here's what I will argue, and here's the next point. If the police are having to go and are having to find businesses and are having to compel businesses with threats of fines, well, that's been happening everywhere. To obey that's been the law, everywhere. well, yes, but what I'm saying is that means that businesses won't just do it 
they won't obey. So when you say like, hey, you know how I've been forcing all of you to pay your taxes because it's good for society? I just destroyed the IRS. It doesn't exist anymore. I guarantee you tomorrow I would stop filing taxes. Of course. Well, that's, of that's course, the same but- thing. It's, we have the IRS trying to find people who are committing tax fraud and tax evasion, and they're still doing it. Like they, they know they're being looked for and they're still doing it. I know. It. So if you say no one's going to look for you anymore, you're gonna, people are going to stop. I, I understand that. Stop doing the right thing. I totally get that. But at the same time, like, you know, if all these businesses shut down because they're not meeting revenue expectations and all that kind of stuff and all, I mean, so I like, it, it's a double-edged sword, right? Oh, absolutely. You know what no, I mean? It, it, it's, you, you can't go too far to one edge or the other. Right. And I realize that. So that's, I, I know my argument's flawed, I know, I'm, but it's still I, one I, of those things where it's like- flawed, right? I'm not like- I'm just saying, like, if all these businesses are are forced to clamp down on capacity and all that kind of stuff, they're not the odds of them meeting revenue expectations are going to be a lot lower. So I I see what he's doing. Like I'm I'm just saying I'm not against the decision. It's not to say I'm for it. It's just I'm not against it. So I understand it. But anyways, we need to wrap up because it's really late here and it's really late. It's even later over there. Yeah, no, it's it is ten. It is ten eighteen here. Yeah. Uh, let's let's shut her down, man. But I just wanted you guys to know, yeah. all of the major indices are publicly traded companies. Oh yeah, and and so and so are the referees, so right, are the credit yeah. rating agencies. And apparently, if you're trying to reposition your portfolio to maximize profits for the reopening, people on CNBC, not me, but people on CNBC and people on Fox Business are saying the Russell 2000 is where you're supposed to put your. Well, money. I would say you look at the I smaller. Com- I would say look at the smaller companies, and the reason you want to look at the smaller companies is because. The big ones are going to get the actual contract, but who are they going to be hiring? They're going to have to hire smaller companies because they can't do it all. They don't actually have the capacity to do everything. There's a reason we get subcontractors. Right. Who are they going to subcontract to? The Russell 2000 companies. So who's actually going to be hiring people and buying the concrete and buying whatever else it is? The Russell 2000 companies. So that's where you're going to see that real huge spike in revenues, that huge spike, hopefully in income, an actual income after everything's right, yeah. been caught. That income, you're going to see that there. So the increase in the equity value, the increase in the stockholders, in the value of stockholder right. equity, that's where you should see it. That's where so you should see it. That's why. So it's, yeah. it's, it's that tumble down effect. That's where you should see it. But granted, I mean, we both know how the tumble down effect works. Well, this, so, so this is this is different. This is not this is not trickle, um, down. trickle down. Sure, sure. Trickle sure, down sure, is sure. I'm rich and thus more rich people make more poor people rich. That That's not, no. This is... I have so much I have to do that I'm incapable of. I need to hire help. Yeah. You know, I'll build the main stretch of highway. I know how to do that. But you know what? I don't want to go do the streets in a town because it's time consuming and I don't want to pull the permits. You don't want to hire someone right. else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like I've been wrong in the markets for I've been wrong forever. in the markets for at least I mean, a year. Not for, I was like, right for two weeks. I was right for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's then... not forever because like I, my portfolio <laughs> has gone up, but probably not as much as other people's have. So... You know, I mean, like, I, I just, I haven't been as right as other people. You know, if I just put my entire life savings on Tesla, I'd be a lot better off now than, and I, the whole time I've been saying, I've been preaching the anti-Tesla gospel, so. Well, to be fair, I'm right there with you, yeah. man. So, maybe anyways, one day we'll be right. Yeah, maybe one day we will. So, uh, with that said, let's start with Discord, because we've been having, I think, pretty good conversations. Um, you know, let us know what you guys think about the Dave Fiala episode, because I was so excited for that. I think that's, I think that's our masterpiece. I was too. I think it was one of our better, yeah. maybe, Despite maybe the sound quality not being the, the best, but I think the content was great. Dave is... Did yeah, best. Dave's insight is was phenomenal. So join the conversation. Let us know how we did there. You can also message us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's at Drunkenomical, D-R-U-N-K-U-N-O-M-I-C-A-L, on all of those. Actually, in all caps, too. So message us there and say, like, hey, you guys are stupid, but Dave was insanely smart and insightful. So thanks for having him on. And we'll be like, thank you. We appreciate that. We'll do it we, again soon. We totally agree with you. 
Thanks for drinking with us and stay drunk and amical. Uh, from there, we have merch. James, you're wearing one heck of a hoodie. I am. It's a pretty yeah. sweet hoodie. You'll never guess where I got it. I got it at Target. No, I didn't. I got oh, it. Oh, I wish um, you did. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day. No, I got it at, um, what is it? Shop.spreadshirt.com slash Drunkonomics. That is correct. So if you want to look as cool as James looks right now. Or if you've been on Instagram, you've seen the good boy Flynn. I mean, Flynn, Flynn what a handsome dog. Amazing yeah. bandana. That's a handsome yeah, double exactly. bear. Uh, I'm not promising your dog can be that good looking. Hopefully smarter. Probably smarter. I mean, probably but it smarter. Be, but, but definitely you can have a dog just as fashionable. Yes, exactly. Probably smarter, but definitely not as fashionable. <laughs> so, yeah. Check that out. Last but not least, Patreon. Um, you know, if you want our production quality to be a little bit better, consider looking to help us there. You know, not saying, I mean, you can, you don't have to, you know, we're not going to kick you out. Like, you know, we like you either way. So, I yeah, I mean, we're not that cool. But maybe we are. So if you do think we are that cool, hit us up there. But yeah, with that said, I think that's salt and pepper. Um, no, sorry, S&P. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Chestnut no, checkers. Help oh, me wait, out here, yeah. man. You're the smart one out of us. I should I should definitely say this because I need to hear myself say it. I need to say it to myself. Stay drunk and on. Cheers.